Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Oh, we got a good show for you today. Look, we have only one team left that's undefeated. We have one team that has not covered the spread, the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, we got a huge matchup between the Ravens and the Steelers, and I can't talk about it alone, so I'm going to bring Ike Taylor on to talk about that. You guys want to get in touch with us? Facebook and Twitter, it's SportsGarden, G-A-R-T-E-N, it's G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, or any of our fine syndicated affiliates, that's where you can find us. Yeah, guys, listen, we have a huge 20-plus point favorite on the board. The Kansas City Chiefs, everyone's talking about that against the New York Jets. Yeah, it's one of those games that only comes along so often. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about the historical impact of that. We're going to get into the Dallas Cowboys and the historical impact of the fact that they have a chance to go 0-8 against the spread. There's only been two other teams that have ever done that. We are going to get into that, but... Everybody is talking about the Steelers and Ravens. Ravens off of a bye week. The Steelers, well, you know what they did against the Tennessee Titans last week. Then there was one. That's right. There is one undefeated team left. And if you listen to this show, you know I like the Steelers in the preseason. And, man, have they far gone above and beyond even my expectations. They look good in all facets. But don't take my word for it. We're going to talk to host of the Believe in the Steelers on the Believe Podcast Network, former Steeler himself and two-time Super Bowl champion, Ike Taylor. Ike, how you doing today, my man? I'm good, fellas. How you doing? Doing outstanding. So let me ask you, look, I like the Steelers. Steelers. I like the Steelers because I thought people were sleeping on them a little bit, but even I didn't think that they were going to be the class of the NFL where they really seem to be right now. What was kind of your preseason expectations, and did you see this coming? I always look at what's going on. So I I look at things quarterly because I look at things from a GM perspective because I've learned this over Kevin Colbert, the general manager for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he said he would like to go 3-1 and one every four games. If he can get to 3-1 and one every four games as a staff, that's 12-4 and four by the end of the football season, right? So that's how I looked at it. Now the Pittsburgh still are sitting at 6-0. and oh. So they, they damn near six games ahead of schedule, and which is hard to do in the NFL, especially with this pandemic going on. But just to see seven back, seven meaning Big Ben. Um, you saw what they did last year, 8-8 eight eight with the four-string. Uh, Duck Hodges, quarterback. They didn't have a losing season. That was the time Coach Tomlin could have had a losing season. That's just showing you how great of a coaching staff he surrounded himself by. Then you look at Big Ben coming back. We didn't know his health. We didn't know what to expect off that surgery from Big Ben. Now Big Ben had time to reflect off of that surgery last year and kind of groom the the young receivers he has now into what he kind of wanted them to be today. And we're not even talking about Chase Claypool. So Chase Claypool is on a whole other level as a rookie playing like a veteran guy. He just have to play consistent. That's all he got to do. Uh, the defense has been playing lights out since last year. You know, that's what that's what been keeping them in games. And they just turned it up and got a healthier Stephon it back, got a healthier Tyson back, got a healthier Joe Hayden back. Uh, you acquire Minka Fitzpatrick in the secondary. That's a first-round pick. Boy, did they hit on that one. Uh, Steve Nelson, the other corner on the left, on the right side. He's been balling, Mike Hilton. So they, they, the defense is intact. You just was concerned about the offense and how Big Ben was going to perform this year. And so far, Big Ben has performed lights out. Well, Ike, let's turn our attention to this week's game because you mentioned defense. To me, it's all about the D. I was a little worried with the defensive backs, and we talked to Josh Taylor from CBS Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, and he he had mentioned, you know what, they're kind of they're getting beat deep a little bit, and now all of a sudden Fitzpatrick looked like he has fixed some things, but they you know they they are still in that position where I think they're the best defense in the NFL, and I think they could get better, but they are taking on the Ravens, who just got better. They made a trade this week that I think put them into that upper echelon. So talk to me about how these defenses are going to perform this weekend. Oh, man. As a franchise between the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I which they started, they're the pioneers of getting a great defense and having it consistent, consistently and winning Lombardi trophies. Um, the Ravens acquired and, and took the blueprint as well. You know, they understand 
man, we got to have a mean running game, a physical running game. But, golly, we only going to win Super Bowls if we play solid defense, phys- physical defense, um, violent defense. And that's what the Baltimore Ravens is. You can just inquire. If you want to talk about one of the best secondaries so far, they they got one of the best secondaries just as well as the Pittsburgh Steelers when you want to talk about a total football team between the linebackers and the defensive line. So um, I, I, I like the recipe. I always hated the Baltimore Ravens, but I always did respect the recipe. Um, they took the blueprint. I think they took the blueprint from the Pittsburgh Steelers and 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 and, and won Super Bowls at the same time. So um, it's a mutual respect and it's a good respect on my end that now that I'm retired. But at the time, it was just, it was a mutual respect that I did hate them. Um, they're gonna have to stop. Pittsburgh gonna have to make the the Ravens pass the ball. You know, if, if they, they 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 can't let them run. And last year even though Lamar Jackson didn't play the second time uh, the game with Pittsburgh, you know, they, they did a good job on RG3. And that was the same offense, just a different, unique player who wasn't there in Lamar Jackson. So I think they're going to come with the same game plan. I think they're going to make Lamar try to try to beat him in passing. You know, Lamar, of late, that's that's what he had. If you want to talk about growth and development, that's what he has to do. He got to prove week in and week out that, Man, if y'all make me throw this ball, man, y'all still going to catch hell by the way I can't run it. Yeah, and they are missing Mark Ingram. It looks like he's uh, going to be missing, at least hobbled. But they got Dobbins. They got Edwards. They got Hill. I mean, they, this team just knows how to kind of run the ball. You got to take that run away. I completely agree. What about on the other side? You mentioned the offense earlier. Ben, look, he doesn't have the lofty numbers this year, but he has those efficient numbers. He's not making mistakes. It's a conscious effort to let his wide receivers kind of catch the ball and make plays. But I think this is one of those games where they're going to have to go and take a shot or two. I have never seen the Steelers take as little shots as they have. Now, it's worked, but in a game like this, do you agree? Look, being a defensive back, you understand you got to at least make them take that step back rather than stack the box. And go ahead and open that sunroof. And how you open the sunroof is you take shots deep early and often. And that's and I agree with you 100%. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers going to have to do. Instead of crowding that box, instead of sending guys on the corner trying to bitch Big Ben, man, you got to go ahead and let that thing fly. You got two You got two fast receivers. You got Chase Claypool. He's a monster on one end. You got Dante Johnson. He can get past anybody. Go ahead and throw that ball up and, and, and tell the guys, tell your receivers, Man, make sure if you're not coming down with that ball, the referee is throwing a flag, one of the two, and that'll loosen everything up. Not only not only from a secondary standpoint, but even from a, de- a defensive coordinator standpoint on softening up the defense. So I agree with you 100%. Let's talk about, before we get into some of the wide receivers, let's talk about the running game because I think it's being completely uh, just overlooked this year how good James Conner has been, how uh, efficient. He's doing the workman effort. Last week he had a touchdown taken away by Snell, but you got to like the idea that Snell could come in there. Even McFarland's pretty good. But James Conner had a lot of question marks coming in. James Conner's a guy I liked from college. And James Conner really makes this offense go. How absolutely important is it for him to get on and get on early this Sunday? Um, J.C., it ain't pretty how J.C. get his job done. You know, it ain't King Henry. Um, it ain't the explosive powerfulness like a Mark Ingram. Um, it ain't Dalvin Cook, uh, elusive. Um, it's not the Christian McCaffrey. But, God dang, you want to talk about consistency and moving the chains and, you know, going from, from second and ten to third and three. Man, I'm going to put J.C. up there. J.C., I'm meeting James Conner. I'm going to put J.C. up at the top because that's what this year he has been. Not only is he's a former Pro Bowl running back, but he's running like a Pro Bowl running back this year. The good thing about the Pittsburgh Steelers this year is they have a stable of running backs. Like you said, the rookie in McFarland, uh, Snelly from Kentucky, those guys. So they, it, it, these are these are not any small guys at that. You know, these some these some six-foot, 200, 220-pound, 220 pound guys that's that's coming down on you, especially in the later half of the game, third or fourth quarter. So that's what I do like like about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and that's what I think was keeping James kind of healthy this year. He understands it's gonna be some games where I get in the rhythm and I can carry the load. I can go 25 carries for that game, but it's gonna be a lot more other games where I have to share the load. But I understand where we're going. That's trying to get to the playoffs 
where I can feel like I can carry the load, let alone trying to win the Super Bowl. We're on the phone with Ike Taylor, host of Believe in Steelers on the Believe Podcast Network's two-time Super Bowl champion. Ike, how much goes into a player knowing the point spread? And Look, the Steelers come in, they're plus almost a touchdown to open up the week. Now it's moved around, it's all the way down to like three and a half, but just from a player's perspective, I know I've spoken to players that go, oh, we don't even care, and then I've spoken to the players that go, yeah, we know it. I mean, in it, you are 5-0, and you're the only team in the league that is undefeated, you are in a division battle, you're in a division battle against a team you've had success against, and you're nearly a touchdown underdog. Do you think about that as a player? Man, it's only one letter you like in the alphabet when you're playing football or when you're playing professional sports, and that's W. <laughs> you ain't you ain't worrying about no <laughs> other alphabets. You ain't worrying about no other alphabets when you're playing this kind of sport, man, and that's the W. Uh, as far as, like, spreads, I'm slowly but surely getting into spreads, of course, but, you know, I've been retired for six years, so I get into something like that. But while you're playing at least, from my knowledge, man, the only thing, the only alphabet you was worrying about was that W. All right, I, well, I want to switch it. One more question about about the wide receivers because I heard the excitement in your voice, and I want to get just kind of your take. Juju was the next guy. He was the hot thing. He was, you know, the next Antonio Brown for a lot of Steelers fans. Then it switched to Johnson, and you could see just the excitement level in Johnson. Now, all of a sudden, it's Claypool. Look, it's great to have all three of them. I mean, they all play their role, but is there enough weapons uh, to go around? Is there enough balls to make them all happy, basically? Yeah, because you don't know how a defense coordinator is going to come into with the game plan. You know what I'm saying? So that works out perfect for Ben. So you got Deontay and Chase Claypool outside and, and James Washington. We forgot about James Washington. So really, you can go you can go full deep when you want to talk about these wide receivers. So, you know, from 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 the first series, you already as a quarterback, and from a wide receiver standpoint, you already know who's the hot guy from the defense coordinator standpoint. Who's who are they doubling from a defensive coordinator standpoint? And of late, everybody's been doubling Chase Claypool. So that's why you see the juju about to eat. You about to see DeAndre, Deontay uh, Johnson about to eat. You about to see James Washington about to eat. As long as Chase Claypool is on that field, because everybody's looking at Chase as the number one receiver right now, and I think he is right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Everybody about to eat, and we forget how much of a pro bowler, how solid Juju is. But I think Juju gonna hit his stride later on in the season when it get cold when everybody needs him. Yeah, he's he gets those tough yards. He's all of a sudden become that guy, that almost that Chris Carter guy, right? Where he's just getting those tough yards. It, it's a complete change. I respect him for doing so. All right, so Ike, let me ask you, what do you see from the Pittsburgh Steelers for the rest of the season? And if you could give me a prediction on Sunday's game, what do you think that Pittsburgh could rise to the occasion, go on the road and take on Lamar off a of bye week? Yeah, I, I think for sure they can rise to the occasion. I do want them to lose. And I, the reason why I know this sounds crazy, the reason why I want them to lose is because I don't want nothing to go perfect for them. Like I, I, I want it, I want them to hit some kind of adversity early ah, on. I like that. And and make and make the young kids uh, learn how to adjust on flying high and not not really making them humble, but just the the work week of practice is a little bit different when you lose. The city of the, the city of Pittsburgh is a, the, the the city of Pittsburgh becomes a little bit different when you lose a ball game. So it, it, that's the kind of adjustment I want the young guys to have. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan as adversity. So I look at it like college for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. I'd rather lose early right now in the season than go out on lose late and just have a slump. So, yeah, it, it sounds weird. I know people are going to kill me for it, but at the same time, man, I, I just hope they see the big pitch. And the, and the big picture is it's only one perfect team. They had a perfect record. I think that was the 72 Dolphins. Yes. Was it the 72 Miami Dolphins? Yes, it was. But other than that, we we went 15 and one, and we got smacked in the playoffs. So I'd rather just just to get this L out the way. Um, yeah, you don't want it to a divisional uh, opponent, but at the same time, I'd rather see it now than later. I get it. I, I completely understand the, the, the idea behind it. Ike, it's been really great, man. You gave us plenty of time. Thank you very much, everybody. It's Ike Taylor, host and Believe in the Steelers on the Believe Podcast Network. Go check that out. It's a great, great podcast. You guys want to download it, listen to Ike Taylor. You know he's two-time Super Bowl champion, and he puts forward a Super Bowl effort each and every time that he's on that Believe appreciate Podcast you. Network. Thank you so much, Ike. Have a good one. Hey, thank you, bro. Appreciate the kind words. Thank you very much. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more on Wagering Week. 
Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. All at my bookie. Winning season means watching live sports and betting. Live sports all season long. The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free bet play. Designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use the promo code WAGERWEEK and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. This is two-time Super Bowl champion Ike Taylor, and you are listening to Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? I want to take a look at right now some divisional odds and where we sit. We're seven weeks in. Let's take a peek. In the AFC East, the Bills are actually 4-1 to favorites, minus 400 favorites to win the division. A lot could change if they lose this weekend, but minus 400. Patriots plus 475. Nobody's believing in the Dolphins at plus 650. Maybe if Ryan Fitzpatrick was in there, they would be. And the Jets, uh, let's just uh, say uh, plus 1 million. Look, they're not winning at the 0% chance. North, we just talked about it. Steelers and Ravens. Well, the Ravens are actually a minus 120 favorite. Well, that makes sense. Even though the Steelers are undefeated, the Ravens, with their one loss, if they beat the Steelers this week, would go into first place. The Steelers are right behind, though, a plus 110. The Browns are 12 to 1. That's pretty good odds, even though I don't believe in it. And the Bengals, yeah, 50,000 to 1. It's ridiculous. The South, Titans minus 225. Colts plus 160. Texans, 50 to 1. Jags, 250 to 1. The West, the Chiefs, minus 5,000. Raiders, plus 1,100. Chargers, plus 40 to 1. Broncos, 66 to 1. That's the AFC. I wanted to take a peek because we just did talk about it. And that is what are the odds. You know, I don't see a lot of... Uh, a lot of good investment here. Look, you're not laying massive numbers with the Chiefs, and I don't think they lose that lead. The Titans at minus 225 are intriguing. They're very intriguing. I expect that these numbers should shoot up this week uh, if a couple things happen. If the Titans beat the Bengals and the Colts lose, it'll be, go massive. So maybe a little value on the Titans. You're still laying 225. Maybe a little value on the Titans. Again, I- I've been taking the Steelers since the preseason, so I'm not going to continue to load up. I have the Steelers to win the division preseason at uh, really good odds. I have the Steelers plus 105 to make the playoffs. I, I Look, I gave it to you all. We have been pounding the Steelers. So to go back in at plus 110 doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, the good thing to do, here's what you, you should do. you got to gamble a little bit. Gamble that the Steelers lose this week and then you'll get like plus like 140, and then you could go with the Steelers plus 140 if you really believe in them. And the Bills minus 400, that's kind of ridiculous. I, I'm almost tempted to take the Dolphins uh, plus 650, but I got to see how Tua plays. So really, there's not a lot to kind of go buy on right now. I think the best buy on opportunity in the AFC would be the Titans at their current number and where they're sitting. All right, let's go over some of these games here. A lot of these games, we have seven games where the spread is three and a half or less. Let's pop through some of them here. Detroit, Indy, three-point spread. Indy on the road in Detroit. Detroit, Stafford, Galladay, Swift, their offense is starting to go. They made a defensive move this week to try to get that defense better. I just think it's a little too little too late. And the Colts are coming off of a bye week. They're not only coming off of a bye week, they're getting a little bit healthier. Best offensive line in the game against the bad Detroit front. I think that Indy's probably the right side, and they should be favored. But, look, you can't overlook what Detroit's doing. They had a loss, a sure loss last week. They wound up winning. They went down to Arizona. They won that game that was an impressive situation as well so I think this is line is kind of set exactly where it should be Green Bay Minnesota Green Bay usually does well in this spot and I wonder if it's even more pronounced this week because the Minnesota Vikings are off of a bye week great Dalvin Cook should be a little bit healthier 
even better. But they just traded away their best on-the-field defensive player and their best overall defensive player said, yeah, I'm not coming back this year. There's got to be a sense of waving the white flag in that Minnesota locker room. I'm sorry. There has to be. You could tell me that they're going to get together and go, oh, no, we're going to be good. We're gonna, I, you know, there's only so much of that that goes. When you see your top defensive player and the guy that you have just banked on coming back and giving your defense a jolt, both say, yeah, well, they're not going to be part of the team this year. That's got to sting, man. That's got to take something away. And if that's the situation and that's what it is, I wouldn't be surprised if this Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and this this offense just absolutely smokes them. Green Bay scored 35 points in all but one game this year. Minnesota's allowing 27. Green Bay's going to score. The question is, can Minnesota run it enough with Cook, keep him off the field, and, and get some big plays when they need it? The spread has been pretty consistent, about seven, six and a half or so. The total has gone down from 56 to 52 and a half. That's something to watch. Buffalo, New England. Buffalo, this is their Super Bowl. They are favored by three and a half in this game. It's in Orchard Park. But it's hard to look past the numbers. You can go back and tell me Buffalo is the better team. They played Tennessee. They played them poorly. They lost. They lost to Kansas City. Then they didn't play too well against the Jets, but maybe it was a look-ahead spot. There's a million excuses for Buffalo. What I know is this. The New England Patriots are 29-3 against them. McDermott has never beaten, in his time in Buffalo, has never beaten Bill Belichick. Allen has never beaten Bill Belichick in his three possible attempts there. Now, New England's a mess. Cam Newton was benched. Everybody's on New England. They can't turn around. They got nothing on offense. They look bad. They look awful. They can't run. They can't pass. Harry's a Boston. Harris isn't much better. White only got one catch, and Burkett's not the answer. And do you put in Stidham? I mean, there's a million questions in New England, a lot. But usually those questions are answered against Buffalo. I got to lean Buffalo. But I don't love them as much because I went out there and watched them play the Jets. Now, I think it was a classic look-ahead spot. But there's something to say about history. Something to say about Bill Belichick not losing four games in a row since 2003. Something to say about Bill Belichick in this division not wanting to give up the division. But then you have the other side that this is Buffalo's Super Bowl, guys. It really is. Buffalo circled this game and said, if we want to be contenders this year, we got to beat the big boys. And there's not big boys. There's one big boy. And that is Bill Belichick, the hoodie, and the New England Patriots. And I don't care if they're a wounded duck, and I don't care if they're limping around. This is our time to stomp them out. It's going to tell a lot of the character of the Buffalo Bills. Tennessee, Cincinnati. Look, I'm not going to beat around the bushy. I'm not going to dance around it. Usually I try to dance around teams. I like Tennessee in this game, and I don't get the line. I didn't get the line that opened up at three and a half. I didn't get it when it's still sitting at five, five and a half, six. I don't care. The Tennessee Titans, as of last week, going into the fourth quarter, could have been considered the best team in the NFL against Cincinnati. That's all, that's all I need to know. And then you break down some numbers. Let's talk about the fourth quarter, shall we? Derrick Henry is a big body guy that just wears teams down, and he pounds you, and he pounds you, and he pounds you, and he pounds you, and he wears you down, wears you down, wears you down. And eventually in the fourth quarter, you can't even lift up your arms, and Derrick Henry's running you over. Well, that's against normal defenses. The Cincinnati defense against the run is bad. Flat out bad. How do you think Derrick Henry's going to feel? Oh, by the way. Derrick Henry was leading the league in rushing at 588 yards coming into last week and then goes out and puts up only a 75 spot. Why? Because Pittsburgh's defense is really good. You don't think Derrick Henry's angry? So now the guy that beats on teams in the fourth quarter is now going up against a really bad defense stopping the run, bottom five, and he's going to be angry looking for revenge. Oh, by the way, the Cincinnati Bengals are also out, being outscored in the fourth quarter, 73-43. to 43. Pathetic! Guys, this might be in question in the first quarter. Might be in question in the second quarter. It might be in question in the third quarter. But come the fourth quarter, Derrick Henry will answer those questions. How about Vegas and Cleveland in a spot where weather has to be accounted for? You've got to take a look at the weather forecast. And I'm not talking about the snow in Denver. And I'm not talking about the rain that might be part of this. There are expected to be 25 to 35 mile per hour winds with gusts into about 45 miles per hour. That means Derek Carr is not going to be going deep. That means Baker Mayfield probably not going to be going deep. And Baker Mayfield's missing people to go deep to. Odell Beckham's injured out for the year. Done. 
He is a big weapon. I don't care if you like him or you don't like him. You don't like his antics. I don't like him hanging out on the boat, you know, smoking, hanging out with strippers. I, whatever. You don't like it. You don't like it. He's a weapon, though, and he garners attention. So now all that attention is going to be put towards Jarvis Landry. But does he deserve double team? Not when he's playing injured, which he's playing now. All of a sudden, Baker Mayfield is going to go, you know what? Let's just turn around and run all day long. And Kevin Stavansky is going to go, oh, man, I love that kind of offense. Run, run, run. It's like playing Madden back in the day. No, it's not. It's like playing Tech Mobile with Paul Jackson. You're just going to run it all day. And running it all day against this Raiders team, well, that's not their weakness. They're not good against the run, but they're not bad against it. It's against the pass that you have to capitalize. The Raiders, meanwhile, they got to get Josh Jacobs running. Derek Carr's playing some good quarterback, but Josh Jacobs is the guy. He makes this offense run. You got to get him going. The Rams against Miami in every other spot right now, I would be drooling as a sports handicapper. You have the Rams on top of the world beating the Bears, the 5-1 Bears in front of everyone on Monday night football now traveling across the country down to Miami one of the longest trips Miami's had a week off I love Miami in the spot but uh, hold your brakes right hold on wait a second here here's why I don't love Miami I don't know about Tua. Now, I think he's going to be a good quarterback. And I think that Tua is the right decision. And I think that Tua is going to have a long, prosperous NFL career. And I think a lot, but I haven't seen it. And now Tua is going up against a top five defense, a team that's top five in sacks, a team that's top five in pressures. He's going to have people in his face all day. And his number one receiving option, Devontae Parker, well, he's not 100%. That's a problem. Let's talk about New Orleans, Chicago. Ah, they were the loser on Monday night. They didn't look too good on Monday night, right? But they play games uh, that you go, it's ugly, it's gross, it's nasty. Hey, they got a chance to win. And that's how this was. Look, I don't think they can continue to win games when Nick Foles throws an interception every game. I don't think that they can continue to win games when David Montgomery can't get 50 yards on the ground. I don't think they can continue to win games like that. But their defense is certainly for real. Drew Brees is 4-0 uh, the last four times he's faced Chicago. The Saints have won three games in a row, but the Saints are far from a perfect team as well. Receiving core is messed up. They're banged up. They're not playing. They're not doing this. Everyone's just concentrating on Alvin Kamara, which makes Drew Brees have to go deep to other guys. Now, you could be successful against bad defenses. This is a good defense, and if Khalil Mack is healthy, this might be a good spot. Chicago Bears 13-4-1. They last 18 games at home as an underdog. Now, they're not only 99 straight up, but that's a big number as a home dog. How about Seattle-San Francisco? We know all about the injuries here. Injuries to Seattle go so deep that we're talking about fifth-string running backs possibly starting. San Francisco running backs, well, yeah, they know all about fifth-string running backs starting. This is a game where you have to take into account and say, okay, who's going to be healthy? Seattle owns the series. They won 10 in the last 12. But San Francisco tends to play really close. San Francisco 7-0 the last seven games as an underdog. These are numbers to pay attention to. Denver Chargers. Everyone loves Justin Herbert. Look, I do too, man. It's hard to go against this guy. Drew Locke hasn't thrown a touchdown in two weeks. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert's thrown seven touchdowns and zero interceptions in the same time span. This number opened up as a pick It's up to three, and the public absolutely is jumping on this. It's gone up to three and a half in some spots, and it's just going to continue to rise. Everybody loves Justin Herbert. Nobody loves Denver. But is Justin Herbert, with no running game, with a banged-up defense, is he ready and is he in a position to go out there and on the road in a division game give points? I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so sure about that. Tampa Bay, Giants, that's the Monday nighter. No, Tampa Bay is all the way up to 10.5 on the spread. This is Brady. Brady, Brady, Brady coming back against Eli Manning. Well, Eli's not there, but it doesn't matter. Still the Giants. I know that's going to be the talk. Brady, Brady, Brady. And it should be. Look, Brady to Godwin. By the way, Godwin's out. Hurt his pinky. He's going to be out for this week and had a little surgery. Brady to Evans. Oh, yeah, Evans kind of disappeared, but he's got Evans. Brady to Scotty Miller. Brady to Gronk. Yeah, Brady to Gronk works. Brady handing it off to Ronald Jones. That works. Brady to Fournette. I mean, it's going to be Brady, Brady, Brady. But let's look on the other side, and this is where I think this game is won. The Bucks defense, to me, is easily the best defense in the NFC. The Bucks as a team, are the best team in the NFC, and I don't think it's particularly close. You look at the Bucks and you look at David and White flying around. 
all of a sudden you look at the Giants and you go, what do you have? Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. Their running back is actually a backup to a backup. That's a problem. Evan Ingram couldn't catch if, if he literally wouldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. I know you guys say that. I want to put him on a boat like he was with Odell. Let's let's see if he actually hits the water when he falls out because this guy looks bad. This whole team offensively is struggling and now here come the Bucks. It's a bad spot for them. The last game in the game that I saved is a historic game. This is the Kansas City Chiefs against the New York Jets. And if you ever wondered in your mind a hypothetical game, we often get the hypotheticals in this business and say, all right, well, the Jets are really bad, man, right, right? The Jets are really bad. And what if they played like Alabama? What would the point spread be? And I talked to Dave Sharpin about this. I've talked to, to guys all over the business about this. And it's always a laughable moment. You go, come on, that's ridiculous. Uh, the NFL team would still be favored by like four touchdowns. Okay. But this is another hypothetical because you often get this. Hey, what if we took the Super Bowl champions and like the best team in the league and they played the worst team in the league, like the worst team you've ever seen, kind of. <laughs> Here we are. Well, they would open at 21 and a half point under favorites because that's what it did. But the liners dropped because those are just a boatload of points. Now, since the AFC-NFC merger and back in 1970, there's been 14 instances of a team favored by 20 or more points. The favorite has only covered three times. Now, they've never lost, but the favorite has only covered three of those instances and two of them more than by the Patriots, okay? This number is not quite 20. It might be in your spot, but I'm seeing 19, 19 and a half. It's not quite 20, which throws that stat out the window, but it gives you an idea of how hard and how difficult it is to actually cover this number in a game in the NFL. Now, it is in Kansas City. That helps. But there is also this idea. Le'Veon Bell is playing for the Chiefs. So if this is a game that's sort of a blowout, they still might try to score because Le'Veon Bell is going to go, let me score against Adam Gase. Let me please end the Adam Gase career by me being the guy to do it. Pull everybody out. Pull everybody. And let me be the guy. Look, this is a game I fully and 100% to see Chad Henney in. By the way, Chad Henney, more rushing touchdowns this year than Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, Phillip Rivers, Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Big Ben, Daniel Jones, and Baker Mayfield combined. Yeah, I expect to see Chad Henney in this game and in this game uh, relatively early. I, I would expect the fourth quarter to not be at Patrick Mahomes' fourth quarter, but that also means that I also expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be sitting on the bench, which means this could be a Le'Veon Bell fourth which normally you think, okay, well, this team could come back. This team is a team that could come back and get that backdoor late cover and see Sam Darnold go down the field. You know, I don't see Kansas City allowing that to happen if they're still trying to score for moral purposes, and that's with Le'Veon Bell. I'm not touching this game. Full disclosure, I'm not going anywhere near it. It's a ridiculous line. It's a ridiculous line that doesn't deserve my attention. I can make a compelling argument as to why the Jets should lose this game by 20. I should also be able to make a very compelling argument that 20 points is too much in any NFL game. When I'm able to be on both sides of the fence, and I'm sitting on both sides of the fence, and I'm able to sit back and I go, all right, guys, look, the reality is A, B, and C. Uh, I am talking myself out of it. So I know this is a talking point, and it's going to be everywhere, and everyone's going to talk about it, and let's, let's sit back and have fun, and ha, 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 let's... Uh, Guys, this is no bet to take. It's an unbettable line. Now, you'll get someone that bets it, and they're going to bet, you know, they're 10 bucks on it or whatever because professional handicappers shouldn't go near this one. But you're going to get that guy that goes out there and bets it, and he's going to tell you, oh, see, I told you. I want. No, no, no. Even if it wins, it's still not a good bet. You have situations like that. I'm sorry, you do. It's just not going to be a good bet on either side. I don't expect the Jets to play well. I do expect Kansas City to play well. That doesn't mean you're going to beat an NFL team by 20. 20 is a lot of points, man. That's a big number. All right, guys. That is this Sunday. But we have a lot to look for in the future. I have bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, the to the future. future. Bet. 
to the future. All right, guys, let's bet to the future. Points bet put out an odd sheet for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I want to tell you how much this is drastically different. Last week, Justin Herbert was barely beating Joe Burrow, minus 120 for Justin Herbert. Joe Burrow was about even money. Now, that was the first time that Joe Burrow was not leading the Offensive Rookie of the Year since the preseason. The minute he was the number one overall pick, People said, okay, that's going to be Joe Burrow. And then Cincinnati said, you know what? He's going to be our starting quarterback the entire year. It was Joe Burrow. He's been the offensive leader until last week. Justin Herbert overtook him, and now it's getting bigger. So this is the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Bet to the future numbers. Justin Herbert leads the way at minus 175. Justin Herbert, wow, get on the bandwagon. Joe Burrow, plus 225. Justin Jefferson is at 12 to 1. Tua, who has not taken a snap, is 15 to 1. Now, guys like Robinson, Claypool, Lamb, these guys are not even there. And that is bet to the future. You know, this is one of those awards that I do like to give a little time to, to to have a conversation with. Because unlike a statistical number who leads the league in touchdowns, a team total of wins or, or losses, unlike a number that is concrete, here you go, Pittsburgh Steelers got to get to 10 wins. All right, I win my, my ticket. All right, this guy, uh, Aaron Judge, has to lead the league in home runs. All right, okay, even that. This is voted on. So there are outside forces, and this, this is something to really pay attention to. Because Lamb, C.D. Lamb, is not even on the list, okay? He's, that, which means he's 25 to 1 or more. He's not going to win it, okay? But he's not even on the list. Claypool is a guy that surprisingly is not on the list. And I think that people are figuring betters are going to go, well, you know what? He's not going to keep up this production. He already kind of had a down week last week because Deontay Johnson and Juju, and you heard what Ike Taylor had to say, where, you know, it's kind of just dependent upon what week, who do they want to double team. They're double teaming Claypool. Okay. And then you have James Robinson, who has been the workhorse, man. James Robinson, to me, should get a lot of attention and a lot of love from the voters, but he's not going to. You know why? Because he's on the Jaguars. I mean, literally, that's why. He's a Jaguar, and that is the reason why James Robinson is not getting any kind of number here because they're not going to vote for him. And again, he's not a flashy guy. He's a grinded-out type of player. He's the type of player that people don't believe in his long-term future, and they want to be able to say in five years from now, oh, remember he won the Rookie of the Year, then he won an MVP a couple years later, you know, and add to the board. James Robinson's just not that guy in people's minds, even though he's putting up numbers. So we'll throw those guys away. Justin Jefferson, when he's on the field, has been explosive, absolutely explosive. He's a 12-1. to 1. It's very hard for a receiver to do it, especially on your team when you're clearly not even your team's best receiver. Thielen is absolutely that. And, oh, by the way, the Minnesota Vikings, you're in dead last place. So much like Robinson... And much like Lamb, you're on a bad team and there's questions about, uh, you know, are you the best offensive player on that bad team? They're not going to vote for you. So that really gets us into the three. And Joe Burrow at plus 225 is a slap in the face of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's putting up good numbers on Cincinnati. Joe Burrow's exciting. Joe Burrow started every game. Joe Burrow's got his team in almost every game. Joe Burrow at plus 225 should win this award, shouldn't he? Doesn't Joe Burrow make sense to win this award? He was the favorite. People like him. People want to invest in him. But he's number two. Number two behind Justin Herbert, who is minus 175. And this speaks to the human emotion of what voting is. And what voting is, is right now, if there was a vote to be held, people are going with Justin Herbert. Seven touchdowns the last two weeks. This guy is extraordinary. He's only got one interception on the year. Oh, he's flinging the ball all over the place. Oh, he's in games. Oh, uh, Justin Herbert has gone out there and, and just done phenomenal things. This is not even about what he's done. This is about what people think he's going to do to finish the year. Justin Herbert has everyone chirping and everyone talking. Joe Burrow's playing like a really good rookie. By the way, Joe Burrow will set rookie records this year. Doesn't matter because Justin Herbert's more flashy, more exciting, more fun. 
And that's the difference here. When you're talking about a straight award, who's going to finish up with more touchdowns? Joe Burrow probably have more touchdowns. Who's going to finish up with more passing yards? Joe Burrow going to have more passing yards. Justin Herbert's exciting, though. He's fun. He's entertaining. And that is the difference, and that's why he's minus 175. Really quick, quick word on Tua. I think Tua is going to be very good. I like Tua. I think Tua is really good with the Miami situation. But the way that they benched Fitzpatrick is going to keep people off of Tua, even at 15-1. to one. The guy has never thrown a pass, and I get it. He's got some numbers on him right now. But if Tua goes out there and, and you know, he goes 5-5 five and five over his next 10 games, which would actually be a pretty good stretch for a rookie quarterback. People are going to go, yeah, so you're exactly like Ryan Fitzpatrick. And any faltering, they're going to go, ah, see, sure. Should have been Fitzpatrick. So, wanted to give a little uh, a little update on the Offensive Rookie of the Year, which is fun to talk about, but it also bre- it leads me into my next topic. My next topic is MVP. I want to have a conversation about the MVP and my MVP right now because I want to defend myself here. And I want to defend my position early. Because last year I did it. Last year I sat here in week seven and I said, this is Russell Wilson's award to lose. Wilson's going to win it. He's got a clear path. Maybe Mahomes catches him. But right now this is Wilson. And then we went to week eight, week nine. And right about week 10, I said, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. Wilson's doing nothing wrong. But I'm getting nervous. And then all of a sudden, week 11, you know, Mahomes is now missing some time. You go, okay, so it's basically Wilson or Lamar Jackson, and you kind of just saw the tide turn. You watch the tide turn where it went from this is Wilson's award, four weeks later, and Lamar's got this thing. And at the end of the year, Wilson didn't receive a single vote. So that's how quickly these things change. So I wanted to come out now, talk to you about who I believe is the NFL MVP and my reasons why, my basis behind it. Now, we can sit back and you could talk about who should win and what they are. I will never, ever tell you to put a dollar, I don't care what the odds are, on a running back, a wide receiver, a defensive player ever again. Because after last season, and I'm not taking away what Lamar Jackson did, but Christian McCaffrey set all kinds of running back records. He had a historic, historic, historic NFL for a running back kind of season. Ridiculous. Michael Thomas did exactly the same as a wide receiver. Set all sorts of ridiculous records. Receiving yards. Yeah, Michael Thomas was all everything. You could make an argument that last year Christian McCaffrey had one of the top five all-time greatest seasons for a running back. You could make a case that last year, potentially that you could say, can somebody make an argument to me that Michael Thomas had the greatest year of all time? The greatest year ever? Ever? Yeah, I think you could make those arguments. Neither one of them received a single vote for the MVP award. So when you want to tell me that Hopkins, who's on pace for, you know, like 1,500 yards, he's on pace for 120 catches, you want to tell me that Hopkins is going to get, you know, a, a couple of votes? I'm going to tell you absolutely not, not after what I watched last last year. No way. You want to tell me Derrick Henry, 660-plus yards, seven touchdowns, is he going to get any votes? No, he's not going to get any votes. How about Alvin Kamara? Alvin Kamara's got almost 1,000 yards total. He's going to have like 100 catches. He's going to have like 15 touchdowns. Is Alvin Kamara going to get some votes? He's not. Because McCaffrey and Thomas proved last year they're not. So this is a quarterback-only discussion. Not because I set the rules. Because they set the rules. So from an odds perspective right now, as far as the odds go, Russell Wilson is still the clubhouse leader, and he's got a pretty good lead. People are looking at him at about 2-1. to one. Patrick Mahomes is coming next. Aaron Rodgers is in the mix. Even Lamar Jackson's in the mix. Murray's there. Brady's there. They're all pretty much big 10-1, to 12-1 to one or, or so. But I think they got it wrong. First of all, Lamar Jackson, I don't even have on my list. He's not even there. Now, you go out there and you win this week and you look good against the number one defense in Pittsburgh, you can change my mind. But right now, he's not. I got Aaron Rodgers at number five. Aaron Rodgers is at number five. He's got 17 touchdowns, two interceptions, 1,600 yards. Out of the list of five guys I'm going to give you, he has the least amount of yards. He's got the third amount of touchdowns. 
and he has zero running ability. Aaron Rodgers has set the bar for himself very high that he would have to go over. Aaron Rodgers right now, uh, in my opinion, is not really in the serious conversation. I don't think people will vote for him for numerous reasons. And his, his numbers could be eye-popping, but there is that idea that, okay, he's not throwing as much as he should. He is throwing it away in the biggest game of the year. He had two interceptions, one run back for a touchdown against somebody that's also on my list. And he could have melted down in that game. The Bucks dropped about three more interceptions. So Rodgers right now, not worth the investment, no. And on an overall list, he's not there. I got Kyler Murray at number four. I got Kyler Murray at number four, 13 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 1847. And he adds 437 yards rushing and seven touchdowns. So he's got 20 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he's got like 2,300, not quite 24, 2,300 yards total offense. It's very good numbers. And if Arizona wins that division, I think Murray's going to get a lot of traction. But the thing that stands out to me is seven interceptions. 20 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He adds that extra element. I like that he's running. I like that he adds that element. I like that he's mobile. We like to see that. Lamar Jackson-esque. But he's not quite there. His numbers are just not quite there. Now, can he get there? Absolutely. Is he worth the investment at 12-1? to 1? Potentially. But I look at the Cardinals' schedule. Now they lost Kenyon Drake. Even though I think Edmonds is better, they lost Kenyon Drake. They're on a bye week this week. I'm not, I'm not buying on now. I want to see how this week plays out. I'm not going to buy on now. But Murray could start to close the gap. And we might be looking back in week 11 and go, remember week 7 you had Murray barely on the list? Yeah. Number three, I have Patrick Mahomes. I have Mahomes, not by any fault of necessarily Mahomes, but this is more game scripted. Patrick Mahomes only has 16 touchdowns this year. I say only, but he does. He only has 1,600, uh, 16 touchdowns, 1,900 yards. That's good numbers. It's not great. He does add two rushing touchdowns. The big thing about Mahomes is he's not making mistakes. He's only got one interception. But if you're going to do that, then don't you have to include Roethlisberger, who's got 11-1? and one? Don't you have to include Rodgers at 17-2? and two? So I look at Mahomes and I go, I think he's a product of Kansas City just being too good. They benched him in the fourth quarter. They're doing a lot of running. So his numbers don't jump off the table. But I will tell you this. Mahomes right now is not a value play either. I would think, all right, a guy with 16 touchdowns, one interception, 1,900 yards, he's a guy that I could buy on low. And if he was 6-1 to one or 7-1 to one odds, I'd be all over Mahomes. But people still know the name Mahomes. And I think that Mahomes still might win this award. I really do. But there's no value on him. I got him in third place now with the full and acknowledged knowledge of, hey, look, he may win this thing. My number two is Russell Wilson. Now, he's not my number one. I would say he would be every sports writer's number one right now. And if the season ended today, I think he would win the award. I get it. Russell Wilson has done extraordinary things this year. There was conversation, would he break 55 touchdowns? He was on pace of 70-something. Would he break the all-time record? Russell Wilson was setting the world on fire. Now, he has come back to earth slightly, still has tremendous numbers. 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, just under 1,900 yards. He's got no touchdowns on the ground, runs for a little over 200, so the running game isn't really there. But you look at Russell Wilson and you go, after that torrid, ridiculous start that, by no fault of his own, you just can't keep up, where do I see it going from here? You know, if we're judging the season on the first four weeks, uh, Russell Wilson is my MVP. But we're not. We're not. We're judging it on the totality of everything that's been played. And I look at Russell Wilson right now, and I go, interceptions, he's making a lot of mistakes, and he's making them a lot over the last couple of weeks, right? You look at the 22 touchdowns, oh, that's great, but 10 of them came in two games. So 12 came in the other games. There are small holes to plug in Russell Wilson's game. I think if the season ended today, most people would root and be okay with Russell Wilson winning the MVP. I think most people would vote for him getting the MVP because he's never got a vote. We always hear that. But he's not my MVP. And he certainly isn't worth going out there and putting money on. He's the clubhouse leader. He's minus nearly 200 in spots to win the MVP. Guys, I don't think he wins it. He's still got to face San Francisco twice. That's a good defense. 
He's still got to face the Rams twice. That's a good defense. And he just lost, albeit in overtime, he just lost, guys, to a division foe. So Russell Wilson is starting to show a little bit what I watched late last year. Late last year, I don't want to say Russ imploded, but he kind of imploded, right? I mean, he kind of did. He started to slow down, and then in, at the end, anybody that had him on their fantasy team knows he didn't have a good ending to a season. So who's my number one? Who's my MVP right now? Who do I think is actually worth some value right now? Oh, that's Tom Brady. Yeah, you hate to hear it, right? You New England Patriots haters or Tom Brady haters, for that matter, you just hate to hear it. You hate to watch a guy at his advanced age sit back and put up the numbers. But let's just talk about numbers. Take Brady off his back. 18 touchdowns through the air. Two more rushing. Yeah, he's got two rushing touchdowns. That's as much as Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Rodgers put together. 1,910 yards. Most yards of the list of anybody that I have read. Now, it's only by 10 or 20 yards, but he's got the most yards. So, I look at Russell Wilson, and I see 22 touchdowns to 6 interceptions. Brady's got 18 to 4, but he adds 2. So, I'm going to say 20 to 4 or 22 to 6. Brady's got the better numbers. More yards, 4 less touchdowns, 2 less interceptions, but he adds 2. And I think if you look at what Brady has done for this Buccaneers team, he's got a slew of talent. But don't tell me Russell Wilson doesn't. Don't tell me that Edwin's, Edwin, uh, a banged up Godwin, okay, who, let's be honest, he's played like one game with, and aging Gronkowski are less talented from a position of where they sit now than what Russ has. Russ has more talent, guys. Lockett and Metcalf are way more talented. Outside of Mahomes, who has everybody, uh, they, they might be the best receiving combo in the league. They might be the most talented. So don't tell me about Brady's slew of weapons. He does have a slew of weapons, but guess what? He makes those weapons. Godwin hasn't played. He makes Gronkowski what Gronkowski is. Evans hasn't been a big part of it. So I'm going Tom Brady as my MVP right now. That, that would be my pick. Do I think the sports writers would agree with me? Probably not right now. But once again, you have to look at what's going to happen from here on out. Tom Brady has some of the easiest, softest defenses in the last five weeks of the season. I don't know if Tampa Bay is going to be in a position where they need those games, but I tend to think that they will. There's only one team that stays home this year. And you can still get some good, solid, plus number on Tom Brady. Depending on where you look, I've seen 12 to 1 right now. I've seen 8 to 1 right now. I've seen 6 to 1 right now. Whatever it is, you're getting some solid numbers on Tom Brady. And then you got to ask yourself back to the human element. Do you think that these guys, these sports raiders, do you think they want to sit around and they want to give him the award? Uh, they may not like him, but it's a great story, isn't it? 732 year old Tom Brady leads the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after leaving New England and wins the MVP. That's a story. And they like to vote for stories. So guys, if you're putting your money anywhere, I'm personally selecting Brady today. I don't think anybody else will. I think it's going to be Russell Wilson. Moving forward, I'm fully understanding that Kyler Murray might just absolutely go off, but I don't think he does. To me, it's a three-person race. It's between Wilson, Brady, and Mahomes. Mahomes is the obvious choice that could just go crazy and throw four or five touchdowns in a game and get himself right back in the middle of this conversation. Russell Wilson is a clubhouse leader right now. But moving forward, where are they? I think Brady is going to be the guy. I think it's a good story. He's got the schedule in front of him. He's going to start getting these weapons healthy. Tom Brady plus money for the MVP. That's something to go and take a look at. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thank you again to Ike Taylor. Go check out his podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. That's Believe in the Steelers and the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.